0: Really what has happened is mental health has become the fourth pillar of benefits for every employer across every industry. So you've got medical, dental, and vision, which by the way, they didn't always exist as benefits. Employers haven't always offered those as benefits. It became a norm. Mental health has become the fourth pillar.
1: That was Modern Health founder and CEO, Allison Watson, framing the rise of mental health support and benefits as the fourth pillar of Modern Benefits. You know, if you work in HR or people operations or you're running businesses, chances are you've been having conversations, more conversations with your employees about mental health and mental so health support. Uh, we've all been through a lot in 2020, and we continue to carry a lot of that burden with us. And so as we talk about progressive people operations, mental health support is a core part of that conversation. So I'm really excited to sit down in this episode of Redefining HR with Allison to learn a little bit more about Modern Health's origin story, and her perspective on the world of mental health support and benefits. And we'll be right back with that conversation after a brief word from our sponsor. Redefining HR, one podcast at a time. Support for the Redefining HR podcast comes from PIN. PIN is building the world's first employee-centric communications tool, enabling your employees to automatically receive helpful messages at key moments throughout their journey. From onboarding to promotions and everywhere in between, PIN helps companies battle communication overload and puts your employees in control over when and how they receive information. Go to PINHQ.com for more information. That's pynh and reinvent employee communications for the distributed workplace. And now, onto the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Redefining HR podcast. I am your host, Lars Schmidt. And today, I'm thrilled to be joined by the founder and CEO of Modern Health, Allison Watson. Allison, thanks so much for coming on the show. If you wouldn't mind, why don't you give the listeners a brief introduction and background on you?
0: Thank you so much. Super excited to be here, and thanks, Lars, for for having me. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm Allison Watson, founder and CEO of Modern Health. Modern Health is a mental health benefits platform for employers. So we work with employers to make it easy for their employees to get access to the mental health support that they need. And uh, company started just about three years ago. We work with some pretty great employers all around the world, including companies like Nextdoor, Lyft, Cliff Bar, Rakuten, Pixar, and and many more. Um, and yeah, excited to share a little bit more about you know how we work with these employers and how the company got started.
1: Yeah, well, you know it's it's a it's a fascinating time in your space, and I think when we when we look at modern kind of people operations in HR today, you know, mental health support tends to be one of the kind of foundational elements of how we look at the, you know, supporting our employees and the employee experience. And that that certainly is a shift, I think, from holistically how HR has looked at benefits in the past. And so I have a lot of questions about uh, you know, what you're building and what you're learning uh, and kind of how you're engaging with that community at Modern Health. But before we even begin there, you know, earlier in your career, you you kind of started in consulting before shifting over to the healthcare space. So what, was that a, a kind of conscious shift? Like what motivated that move for you?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So I started my career in healthcare consulting and um, actually mental health had been close to home to me for a number of reasons. Um, You know, growing up, I think everyone goes through things in their life and has family challenges. And I actually, my first time seeing a therapist was in high school. And I remember it was super taboo, super stigmatized. I used to like sneak out of high school to go see a quote shrink and not tell anyone about it. And fast forward to my time um, in college, I I went to Johns Hopkins where I played a division one sport. And as we know, mental health impacts all athletes, and especially um, collegiate athletes who you know, are struggling with balancing uh, school and academics with performing as an athlete. And so I struggled with anxiety myself, and it just wasn't talked about, and I couldn't believe that arguably one of the top medical environments in the world, right? At Johns Hopkins, that yeah. mental health wasn't at the forefront of what we were talking about. It really was about our physical health. And so I just became fascinated by the mental health space. I ended up becoming a yoga instructor. Um, my mom is a functional medicine, holistic doctor. So she's been you know prescribing yoga since I was 10 years old. And so it just became an area that I was really fascinated about. And I, so I started my career in, in healthcare consulting, but I had always wanted to start a company. I had had been you know, thinking about wanting to start a company and, and how to do that, but I really didn't know what it meant to do that. So I was told I had to move to this place called Silicon Valley that I knew very little about. <laughs> this um, magical
1: area. This, this magical ma- land.
0: This magical land that I yes. had, had heard about, um, you know, and I wanted to see if it was re- see for myself if it was real. So I ended up booking a one-way ticket uh, from the I was living on the East Coast in Washington, DC. I booked a one-way ticket, San Francisco. And it was a complete disaster Um, when I showed up and then the first two weeks of moving across the country and, you know, packing all my stuff and saying bye to my family and friends on the East Coast. um, First, my apartment flooded, so I had nowhere to live. I literally lived in a Holiday Inn for about six weeks. Then my boyfriend at the time broke up with me and then I lost my job. So that was a moment, you know, I laugh about it now, but it, I call it the trifecta. But in that moment, I, I was really depressed. Like, why did I just uproot my whole life? Why did I just move across the country and, you know, leave all my family and friends where I, you know, I thought about starting a company, but had no idea what that even meant. And I remember calling my dad and my dad saying, you, you know, you've got this. Put one foot in front of the other. You'll figure this out. Like, go get a job. Go Go, you know, put one foot in front of the other, and 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 you'll you'll get through to the other side of this. And so I ended up um, working at a few different digital health startups before starting my own thing, and that's how I na- ultimately um, navigated to, to working at a few different startups. But during that process, I was like, I'm gonna, I need to get support, so I'm gonna go find a therapist. I ended up calling about thirty different therapists. None of them could I I could afford. No one was accepting new. Um, members. And so I ultimately got connected to someone who agreed to a sliding scale rate. And I still see that person to this day, six plus later, six years wow. later. Um, and so that obviously played a big role in my you know, appreciation for how hard it is to um, navigate getting support for your mental health when you're going through these types of events that are, are challenging in our lives.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting too. I think, uh, you know, so many, I'm a huge fan of origin stories when I, and I speak with founders to try to get a sense of like where, where the idea came from, where the spark came from. And so often it was rooted in situations like this, where it was like a personal thing that you had to navigate uh, and, and you realize through that experience that there must be a better way to do that. Right. And then that, that then becomes the thing that you, you have to build for you. You know, was there, you know the, the the experience sound like it, it shaped the idea for modern health. But when did you know the time was right to actually kind of leave a corporate role and and go all in on this new idea?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. So I think a couple things. First, the really what like caused the light bulb to go off for me was when I went through that experience and tried to get connected and go find a therapist. And I eventually did get, you know, get connected and find someone who agreed to a sliding scale rate that I could afford until I got a job and got my feet under me. The benefit of working with that therapist through that time, but then beyond that time made me realize, why do we have to wait until we're in crisis mode to get support? Why do we have to wait until things feel like they're blowing up in front of us to get the help that we need? Like, why don't we get help proactively. So when these things do happen, we don't feel alone and we are able to get the support and we're able to work through it and, and, you know, see the silver linings and all the things that are challenging in our lives. And so that really stuck with me. Like as I was working with that therapist and, you know, got my feet under me and went and worked at a few different digital health startups, I continued to see this person and, and get so much value out of them as whether it was with career conversations, taking the plunge to start a company, working through different breakups, family things that came up, all these things that you know, I typically wouldn't have gone and seen someone and gotten the support that I needed. But because I went through this, these, this event of really being in a, a dark place where I needed help, it gave me this insight that we shouldn't wait until we're in crisis to get the support that we need. And so that really stuck with me. And then I ended up working at a few different digital health companies along the way. Before starting Modern Health, I was at a company called Collective Health. And that's really where I had a front row seat to the problem we're solving now. And Collective Health, which I had an amazing experience working there, it's a really great company, really great founder and and CEO. And one of the things that we were doing there was partnering with different digital health companies out there in different areas. Mental health was one of them. So I started to really research the mental health space. And basically what I found was that there were all these point solutions that were focused on one subset of the population. So at, at Modern Health, we think about mental health on this spectrum from green to red, very similar to physical health. Everyone falls on the spectrum. We all have mental health, right? I'll often say, if I'm giving a talk, I'll kick it off by saying, who here has physical health? We all raise our hand. Who here has mental health? Not everyone raises their hand. And that's that's the point, right? Until we get to the point yeah. where everyone raises their hand, there's still that stigma or there's still that this notion that, oh, mental health means I'm in crisis mode, I'm in the red, and I don't need to do anything about my mental health until I'm there. And so the whole idea is how can we give folks, the tools to engage in their mental health before they get in crisis mode. And the way that we do that is by thinking about mental health on this spectrum. So we think of it on the spectrum from green to red. We all fall somewhere on that spectrum, but it ebbs and flows at different points in our life. And what I saw when I was at Collective Health, which caused the light bulb to go off for me, was that there were all these solutions out there that were just focused on one subset of that spectrum. So you might have like a meditation app focused on people in the green. You might have one-on-one therapy focused on people in the red. But then people don't know where to go. Where do they fall in that spectrum? How do they get triaged to the right level of care at the right time? If there's all these point solutions out there and they don't even know where to start. So right. I just became like fascinated about the idea of, wow, triaging people to the right level of care, making everyone be able to engage in their mental health, no matter where they fall in that spectrum and meeting them where they're at, really personalize the experience and making it feel like no matter what you're going through, whether it's relationship issues, you know, being home right now with kids without childcare. You know, being in isolation, struggling with loss of a loved one, financial stress—you name it—making it feel like there's a really personalized way that is relevant to what that person's going through, and then giving them the tools to engage in their mental health.
1: Yeah, so that that's really interesting. So, how how does it actually work? Like, walk me through how Modern Health kind of supports, uh, you know, customers and and employees, and, and you know, you mentioned kind of the range of, you know, from red to green, like what are some of the different ways that Modern Health supports employees when they're at those different stages?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. So the way that it works is we go and partner with an employer and then we roll it out to all of their employees. So all of their employees get access to Modern Health. They download the app or they can access it through their desktop web. They take a quick assessment. So we use clinically validated assessments that help people tell us where's their mental health at. So they tell us where their mental health is at so we get you know kind of a we get a clinically validated assessment of their their mental health and then they tell us what they want to work on do they are they here because they want to improve relationships their relationship are they here because they want to improve you know their um how they are how they're doing at work with their career development or maybe they're a new manager maybe they're struggling um financially and they have financial stress and they want to talk through that whatever it is that they want to work on or whatever their preferences are we then put together a personalized mental health care plan. So we take all this data, all these inputs from the user, and then we spit out, here's where we we think you should start. And where we think you should start can range based on the individual. So for one person, it might be engage with a therapist, meet with a therapist one-on-one, and meet with them virtually or maybe in person in a pre-pandemic world. Or maybe someone is, is best suited to engage in digital solutions like meditation to improve mindfulness, if that's a goal of theirs or an evidence-based course that's proven to prevent depression. Or maybe they want to just chat with a coach via text or virtually, um, you know, once a month to check in on things that are going on in their lives. So whatever it may be, we personalize the experience for every individual and then they engage through the app or through, through the desktop web and they get access to these services completely for free. So we have the employer pay for it. So it's completely free for all employees to
1: engage. Interesting, okay. And, and I think you know the the conversation around mental health support has certainly I mean w- within kind of the HR and people community has certainly been accelerated after going through what we went through collectively in 2020 with COVID. The conversation around mental health support has certainly hit a you know a crescendo within the field. But I'm curious what you've seen as obviously uh, you know a, a platform in this space. How has COVID shaped the conversations that? You're having with prospective clients, uh, and and has it? How has it impacted kind of the demand for your services?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. So you know, really, what has happened is mental health has become the fourth pillar of benefits for every employer across every industry. So you've got medical, dental, and vision. Which, by the way, they didn't always exist as benefits. Employers haven't always offered those as benefits. It became a right. norm. Mental health has become the fourth pillar. Now, what's interesting is there's a couple reasons this has happened. It's obviously been accelerated in year 2020, given not just the pandemic, but everything else that's gone on that has impacted people's lives, whether it's the political environment, racial injustice, you know, being home right now in isolation, all these things that have impacted people's lives um, ultimately impact their how they show up at work. And so employers now have to prioritize supporting their employees' mental health in order for the business to be successful. But what's really interesting is that mental health was actually the number one cause of disability worldwide before 2020 even started. So the number one reason that people took a leave of absence from work pre-2020 was already due to mental health issues. Now, people didn't really talk about it as much, and that's because there was still a stigma associated with it. There was still this taboo. But what's happened over the last few years is as mental health has become more destigmatized, which is great, more employees feel comfortable going to their heads of people, heads of HR, saying, I need support for my mental health, and the traditional uh, medical benefit that, that you're offering me isn't working. And the reason it's not working is one, there's a shortage of therapists globally. And two, most of those therapists no longer accept insurance through traditional network carriers because their reimbursement rates are so low. So if you're a therapist and you work with any of the traditional network carriers, you get paid on average forty to sixty dollars an hour, and mind you, you get paid that after you submit a claim and go through all of the admin overhead, right, of, of participating and being part of their network. Now you've got a line out the door for your services with people who are willing to pay two hundred dollars an hour. Why, why would you accept insurance? So what's happened is as more and more providers and more therapists are sitting outside of health insurance carriers and just working through their private practice. Those who end up seeing a therapist in today's world is based on who can afford it not based on clinical need so there's this right. whole misallocation of healthcare spend in the mental health industry but also what's happened is when people try to go find a therapist their traditional health insurance or medical benefit it's impossible i often say it's like having netflix without internet you're supposed to be able to access <laughs> it but but you can't right that's why you have people call 30 different therapists half of them aren't accepting new patients the other half have retired you know, that maybe one of them has an appointment in six months on a Tuesday at 2pm. And if you can't make that or that's not, a, you know, a great therapist fit for you, like, good luck. And so all of this had been happening over the last several years, but it didn't get into it, it didn't come to light until we got to a point where employees felt comfortable speaking up about it, going to their heads of people going to their HR leaders saying, I tried our health insurance, I tried our medical benefit, it didn't work. I've tried calling 30 people, can you like, can you help me? And so really, it's, It's been this movement. And I think part of what caused this shift was actually um, this inflection point where, and it's really sad it it took getting to this point, but where, um, you know, the celebrity suicides with Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade, where these folks who were in the eyes of society, you know, seemingly very successful people who people had no idea were struggling to the extent that they were were in pain and, and struggling. And that created almost like this, this Um, Movement where people started speaking up about what they're going through. We had famous athletes speaking up about, you know, struggling with mental health issues, and it just started this conversation where people said, "Hey, I struggled too." And if just because of, you know, my background or or you know my my um, where I work or what my profession is, like I can still struggle with mental health, and and now because it's becoming normalized, I can speak up about it. So that's really what started this trend. And then of course, 2020 was just. A massive accelerant because it leveled the playing field for mental health. Everyone is struggling one way or another um, from from the things that have happened in the, over the past year, and that really has caused people to be more vocal than they ever have been before.
1: Yeah, you know it's so interesting uh, as you as you watch the space and you and you you know you can kind of track the destigmatization of it over the last. Couple of years in particular, and I think you know you you mentioned you know mental health uh, you know issues being some of the the number one reason why people take a leave of absence. I mean, if you come into work and you've got a broken arm and you have a cast on your arm, everybody is going to ask you you know what happened, are you okay, can they help you, can they support you? You know, mental health is is largely invisible. Wounds, and you just you know you don't get that kind of support. And so, as you see more uh, increased kind of destigmatization of mental health support, how how have the how has that maybe sh- changed or shaped the conversations that you're having with chros and and chief people officers who want to learn more about your services?
0: You know, it's it's really interesting. One thing that is a silver, silver lining out of mental health be, becoming more destigmatized and more talked about at work is the importance of people leaders at a company. You know, for years, you had chief people officers, CHROs, VPs of people, heads of people fighting for a seat at the table, right? Traditionally, the people role was viewed as an, as an admin role where they're overseeing HR and payroll. It has now become the most important seat at the executive table. And that shift has happened over the last few years. And the reason is because human capital is the number one asset for every employer, right? For better or for worse, the next billion dollar idea is in a human's head. It's not a robot's head, at least not yet. Um, Who who knows how long that's that's going to last for. But um, I think the point is that human capital is the number one asset and who's overseeing the human capital, the people leaders, and they're seeing that Employees need support for their mental health in order to be successful. And not only in order to be successful at their job, but also to attract talent, to retain talent. As a a leader of a company, what is the number one thing you want to focus on for your employees? It's to attract the best talent, to retain the best talent, and to get out of their way and support them however you can so that they can be as successful as possible and as productive as possible in their role. And the person who's overseeing that now. Are these people leaders, and so they're at, They are who everyone is looking to when when you know uh, the executive team is meeting or having a board meeting and saying how how is the company doing, how are the people there doing, how are how is the workforce doing, and and how is that ultimately translating into how the business is doing, and so that shift has really happened over the last couple of years, and ultimately has created. This conversation about mental health at the leadership level, at the board yep. level, where where people are similar to how diversity and inclusion, we know that that is crucial to the success of a company. There's so much research out there that shows having a more diverse um, workforce is is more, is going to lead to business success. Well, the same is true for having a successful, you know, a, a healthy mental health of your workforce. And so these are things that now. Companies are looking at, executive teams are looking at the, you know, boards look at to make sure that a company is going to be set up for success. And I think that that if anything, that's a great silver lining that has come out of this is some people leaders who have such an important role um, being able to have that voice at the table and share, this is what we need to invest in, this is how we're going to support our employees. And if we don't, it's going to put the business at risk.
1: Yeah, you know, one of the the things that's been really interesting to watch, I think in particular over the last couple of years, and I would apply this to both CHROs and CPOs, um, but also other executives is, you know, their ability to be more open and vulnerable and public with some of their own struggles. Right. And I think that, you know, we, it wasn't long ago that we, we had this, this, you know, persona, if you will, of an executive and they had to be, you know, buttoned up and polished and, you know, say the right things and, and, uh, you know that's not humanity, you know, humans are messy. Hum- humans have challenges, we have struggles, we have, uh, you know, we go. We all go through the similar things. It doesn't matter if you're an executive or an associate level, uh, you know, person within the organization. And so I think as more leaders uh, were able to be more open uh, and real and vulnerable about some of their own struggles, it allowed, uh, particularly in organizations where, you know, employees kind of look to leadership to set the tone for the organization, it allowed them to, to also kind of be more willing to, to, you know, take advantage of platforms like this uh, and and seek help if they need it. And I'm curious, like how, when you think about um, best practices, if you will, or or proven practices for uh, HR leaders to help their employees uh, you know, not just know about these kind of benefits, but also take advantage of them. What what things come to mind? What what when you look at companies that are really doing it well? What are the things that they that they're doing?
0: Well, one of the best in my in my um, experience and from my perspective, one of the best kind of barometers for how how, how the type of culture that a people leader has created is actually how open and, vulner- and vulnerable are is the executive team. Because if yeah. you've got a people leader who's really creating a safe space where they can even encourage the executives outside of themselves to lead with vulnerability and to be really open and to, to be human and to stand up in front of their company and be willing to admit mistakes and they make mistakes because we've all made mistakes. There's I mean, no one's perfect, right? There's for every single leader out there, no one is perfect, but it's who can lead with vulnerability and, and be open and have a growth mindset and get that feedback. It's really has the people leader created that type of culture and supported the executive team to feel that way so that they can lead with exa- lead by example and then everyone else can kind of follow suit. And so I think you know, huge, huge shout out to all of the people leaders out there who have executives who have led with vulnerability, because while it does take courage for the executive to do that themselves, it really is the people leader at that company who has created the culture that supports executives to do that. And so I think that part of it is creating a safe space where people can talk about these things and making people feel comfortable that there's their it's okay to, to make mistakes and it's okay to share those mistakes with each other and to learn from them and, and to always have a, an open mindset to, to improving. And I think for us in particular at, at, at modern health, it, it leads with one, not only investing in your employees and their mental health. So that means actually investing in mental health solutions for them, making sure that, that, you know, when, when things happen, whether it's Um, You know, the things that are going on in the political environment, things going on with the pandemic, reminding them that they've got access to these benefits, but also creating a safe space for people to talk about what they're going through. And so one area that we have invested in both for our own employees and um, for our customers is what we call circles, which basically are these group led sessions. They're led by therapists or coaches or someone who specializes, whether it's maybe a, a DEI advocate or someone who specializes in a certain topic. And then there are these group sessions, it's almost like a group therapy session where people can share what they're going through and and heal together. That has been monumental in opening up the conversation internally, making people feel more comfortable. And this has all stemmed from people leaders driving these conversations, people leaders investing in these conversations and these group-led sessions for their employees. And ultimately that translated in us productizing it and offering it to our, our customers as well. But I think that people leaders are spearheading, creating a culture where people can be more vulnerable and it starts with them supporting their own executives to, to lead uh, by example.
1: Yeah, and so for, you know, I imagine uh, there's a lot of listeners out there, you know, many that are, and I know some are actually uh, customers of Modern Health, others are interested in, uh, you know, either uh, investing in Modern Health or, or bringing in other resources to help support mental health in the organizations, what are the you know you talk about kind of mental health support becoming the fourth pillar of benefits? What are some if listeners out there uh, they're they're interested they wanna they wanna make the case to their CFO or CEO uh, about expanding their budget to bring on more robust mental health support resources? What are how should they be approaching that? Like what what are some uh, you know h- help them help the listeners formulate that pitch right now? What what are some ways for them to actually uh, you know, ask for and 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 get that budget so they can expand their offerings?
0: I think first and foremost, employers are looking to work at a place more than ever before where they feel like the employer truly cares about them and their mental health. It is now becoming a, a way for employees to evaluate different companies and their benefits. They're saying, are you offering something to support my mental health? And so that, you know, first and foremost, just from attracting and retaining talent it's becoming an expectation. It's like this is a normal offering just the same way that an employee is, you know, less likely to go work at a company that's not offering medical, dental, or vision benefits. They they want to make sure there's a mental health benefit. But then also from a bottom line perspective, it truly impacts people's ability to be productive and to perform to the best of their ability. It's kind of common sense to think, wow, if someone is mentally in a great Space and and feel supported, they're obviously going to be more productive and more successful at work. And so I think there's a lot of ROI research and studies out there that that show this and you know can get executive buy-in. Um, and I think that that those would be the places where I would start. Is one, it's like, hey, in order for us to to just be on par with our um, competitors and to be competitive with attracting and retaining talent, like this is this has truly become um, something that we have to offer. And then from you know the second thing would be really focusing on the ROI, which is there's a lot of research out there to show investing in your employee's mental health truly does impact your company's bottom line.
1: Great. Wow, well, so I really appreciate you coming on and uh, you know sharing sharing your own story and helping uh, me and listeners learn more about modern health. For listeners that are interested in learning more about modern health, where's the best place for them to go?
0: Great question. So first and foremost, I would go to www.modernhealth.com. We've actually got some great free resources. So the circles that I mentioned, those group Um, therapy-led sessions. Anyone can join those. We have them open to the public right now to to heal through the the number of different things that are going on in all of our lives. So I highly recommend checking that out or offering those resources to your employees as a first step. And then if you're interested in in rolling out a solution like Modern Health for your employees, uh, please reach out to info at modernhealth.com and we'll make sure you get set up with with the right folks and uh, would be happy to, to support you and your employees.
1: Great, well, Alison, thanks so much for uh, making time to come on the podcast.
0: And thank you so much for having me.
1: Thanks for tuning into this episode of Redefining HR. For more information on the podcast, past episodes, future guests, the Redefining HR book, or free resources, be sure to check out redefininghr.com. And if you dig this podcast, why don't you share it with your CEO, your executive team, and your friends to help them discover what Redefining HR is all about. If you really dig this podcast, I'd love for you to leave a review on whatever podcast delivery vehicle your ears prefer. See you next week.